Welcome to Willie's World, dopest dope you're ever going to smoke. On today's show, we're with the one and only Jason, Mr. Villain, in the house. How are you today, Jace? What's going on? Good, real good. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Just just went surfing, had a couple of meetings today, been running around, um, coming out of COVID lockdown here. Obviously, I think you're not too far away from me. You're in a couple of suburbs over um, on the Gold Coast as well. So... Give us a little bit of background about you. You're from South Africa originally. Um, how did you end up moving to Australia? Yeah, no, I was. I actually came here as a kid. You know, um, I was probably about seven years old when I got here. Um, yeah, went straight into a went straight into a few schools. You know, it didn't really work out for me too well. Um, the whole school thing. Uh, I was expelled from a few schools. You know, went on to do my own design thing. Uh, didn't really work out in the workforce either. So, yeah, I had a bit of a – wasn't really the, you know, the academic kind, but, yeah, kind of found my way a bit later on. And, and how did you get into graphic design originally? You used to work for UNIT, I think. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah well, I used to work for – yeah. I've, so when I finished school, I went out and I actually got a job with UNIT. Um, yeah, so that was actually a pretty cool job, you know. Um, it was definitely something I was more passionate about, working with design, graphics and everything I, I loved it, you know, it was one of the, yeah, I loved it. But, um, yeah, for me that was, it was a really cool thing, but I always wanted to do my own thing, you know. I always wanted to, I always had a passion to create design and, and, and have my own empire. And I think that was probably the biggest inspiration was working with, with, with Unit and just seeing how, you know, just seeing one of those dudes like rocking up to work and he was absolutely killing it. Like he had his own, like, you know, he, he was the big dog, you know, he had the life. He was that. And even though it was a cool job, that was my biggest inspiration to say, you know what, I want to be that guy. I want to. And, be- that, and was that was that Ian and Paul from? Yeah, Paul. Paul Everest. Yeah. Paul, Everest. Yeah. yeah, Paul. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool cat. Paul. Yeah, he's a cool cat. I've he, when my uh, I've known him since I was about probably like seventeen. Um, and when yeah. my parents when my parents used to own Fusion Car Audio, we had uh, our original uh, promo gig that we did at Indie about fuck must have been like 15 years ago they had their first like publicity like kind of promo gig as well they had a stand next to us and i've been friends with them ever since i actually used to be sponsored by their condom brand do you remember slide yeah 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 yeah, yeah, I oh, was that's dope. yeah i remember that yeah with the with the legs and the, on it was pretty that was pretty that was a while ago um but yeah i was sponsored by their company for about for about two years and then they shot a couple of them um they shot a couple of their campaigns at my house, actually, and that's how they, we ended up doing that Blues and Esso music video um, because Alan, Hard, Alan Hardy used to work for a unit probably around your time too. And how long, how, long did you, how long did you work with unit for? Did you have, as you were growing up, did you have like a passion for art and design? Like did you study that stuff earlier in your, yeah. in your life? Yeah, I did, man, for sure. Um, I mean, I wasn't that... So I, I was, I can't actually remember how long I was there for, but yeah, I was always in trouble for art, which is funny. Like, um, even though it was the thing I was best at, I was so good at creating and designing and I was always the guy in the back of class, you know, making weapons out of pens and, you know, like shooting people out of things and, you know, creating board games and all this crazy shit at school. And I was punished for that at school. Um, I was always, you know, so I actually stopped being creative for a while because I almost felt like it wasn't the right thing to do and I was, I was actually punished for being creative. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the interesting things about school is that 
you know, you'd think that they would support someone if they saw a little bit of, you know, something like that. But I mean, it was the wrong time, <clears> the wrong. And that was well, one of the re- one of the reasons why this isn't for me, you know. Well, you know, the the traditional school system was created in about 1890 by J.D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie, uh, probably the first two billionaires in the world, and they basically created the education system and the Education Board of America to create worker drones for their corporations. So, you know, while we have a little bit of a different education system here in Australia, um, it's pretty similar. And, you know, basically they just teach you how to be a worker. They don't encourage you. It it obviously depends on what school you go to. I I went to six high schools. Um, I went to school in France and in America. Um, And I went to a Rudolf Steiner school for a year, which was pretty interesting. That was a lot of art-based. So there are alternative, you know, like Montessori-style schools that are a bit different. But traditionally, it's it was pretty shit. What school mm. did you actually go to? Um, my first school was, yeah, my first school was a private school. And that didn't, yeah. Didn't you go to school with my little brother? You did, didn't you? And you went to school with both of my little brothers. Somerset or St. Michael's or, I don't know, I went to a few schools. Hill, Hillcrest. Yeah, Hillcrest, yeah. Hillcrest is one of my later ones. Yeah, that was actually probably the, probably the funnest school I had. Um, that was a Christian school, so um, you can imagine, yeah, I didn't so, think much of it. So you came, you came to Australia at a young age. Your parents are from, whereabouts in South Africa are you from? Durban or Joburg or? Joburg. Johannesburg. And, and so, so you moved here, um, got into art, ended up working for UNIT, and then you got inspired by the big dogs, Ian and Paul. Yeah. RIP original unit. Now they've now it's just kind of a you know a, a hack brand that hasn't got the same clout that it used to. But you know that would have been pretty influential. They they were pretty massive back in the day. You know all those low rider trucks and you know the the big campaigns that they did and you know the, remember the meat campaign that Pete that Paul did. You know yeah, that was yeah, yeah. In, in in Times Square like that was a time period in the world. You know when FMX was blowing up and. You know, all those low-rider trucks were cruising around the Gold Coast. That that was a pretty big, impactful brand. So you, you, got, you started pretty young. You got to see what was possible, and then you've moved along, and now you've created your own brand, um, Villain. Mm. What made you pick um, workout wear as opposed to, like, streetwear or, you know, like uh, like a action sports brand like Unit? Um. I think what we did was like when I when I entered in the in, into the game, we kind of merged the gap between streetwear and activewear. And I think the biggest the biggest thing at that time was there was no real brands that were doing that. You know, there was I think the only other brand that was really cool that was merging streetwear and activewear was FKN at the time. Um, so we just saw a huge hole in the market because people look at activewear and they think activewear is activewear. You know, you go to the gym, you wear something kind of conservative. Um, you, with like a cotton that might be breathable and it, you might just look kind of ordinary. It wasn't, there was nothing that really pushed the edge between street and active wear at that time. So I thought, how, do, how about we now, you know, take something that's about to blow up, which I thought I saw active wear being a huge niche that was kind of becoming cool. So what if you could have a brand that looks cool in and out of the gym, you know, something that people would wear in and out of the gym. And it's funny that since that's happened now, it's a huge craze that, you know, girls are going out to the shops now and they're wearing their active wear. So, yeah, so that's, I think, the biggest success we had was obviously being able to cater for something that is now becoming trendy, you know. And so mm. uh, how long ago did you start Villain and what originally sparked the name? It- um, 
little bit like yourself. I think we, we, we always kind of saw ourselves as that defiant kid, you know. Um, I think all, 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 all of our crew, we, we always kind of, we, we have that, you know, that, that anti-hero kind of thing, you know, to, to, to do things that mm-hmm. yeah, might definitely. not be you know, what people say we should do, but we do it anyway. And despite that, we reach success, you know. And, and how, how many years deep are you into the brand? Uh, I think about five years plus, five years, I think, five or six years. And uh, so originally you started with uh, T-shirts and, what, shorts? How did you mm. get into moving into, you know, original designs and cut and sew and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, we started off just printing T-shirts. Like we, we just freaking... Uh, we just went to a screen printer, picked up a few T-shirts and chucked villain on them. And, yeah, that was the basic thing that we did. And I think that, like, if I was to give any advice, that's what, what, what I'd do, you know, because that's – it's easy, it was cheap, and we could, you know, hit, hit those lower quantities. Um, but I think the real game changer was when we were able to, I guess, have enough money to back us that we could go to China. I flew over to China myself, um, you know, with – yeah, just flew over there, went and met – factory and we just you know sat there and just worked on designs and um yeah and that was probably the biggest game changer you know and and how many years did you go between um printing your own t-shirts and then being sold in stores and actually having a full range did how long did that take i think about two two and a half years i'd say probably two years yeah and so so did so we were just selling were you selling door to door, like out the back of your truck, kind of, of your back of your boot um, for a, for a while? Is that how it so we, kind of started? Yeah. So, so the way the way I actually did it was, you know, we we kind of had that villain crew kind of vibe from the beginning. You know, um, obviously with the way that I explained, you know, our crew and you know doing the things that we do and having that kind of attitude, I think it just really took to people. Um, so the, the, the thing we did first is we just, we kind of found a few cool cats that were going around, you know, some of the coolest guys in the gym, you know, some of the hottest chicks, and we just gave them free gear. And from there, they just kind of, it kind of took on as this brand that other people aren't doing, you know? Like a lot of people weren't doing, like I said, they were just doing basic active wear. So as soon as you saw these like cool cats wearing this, this, this really edgy gear, it kind of like, yeah, that was, that was kind of where it started. Um, um. And... And then the stores came after that, you know, they started to just say, like, what is this gear? Can we get our hands on it? And we got a few to the local stores and from there it kind of expanded. Can you remember the first time you were walking down the street and you saw someone wearing your stuff that you didn't know? Yeah, that was sick, yeah. And do you still get that nostalgia each time you yeah. see that? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's probably one of the most, I guess, humbling and, um, I would say probably the, the reason that, you know, uh, it's, 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 it, it keeps you loving the game when you see people like that, especially when, you know, you see someone and then they come and say, oh, like, dude, I've been wearing your brand for this long or whatever and just how loyal they are to it. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the reasons why I do this for sure. So yeah. you've, you've been through, you know, you, you guys started, you've been through a couple of ups and downs with the brand. Um, what what how, can you give us a little bit of a like a background of like the timeline of how you kind of went from t-shirts to you know doing your own designs and 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 the process that you had to go through with with the factories and stuff like that in China you know with sampling and MOQs and all that kind of stuff was it a far, was it a steep learning curve for you or did you learn a lot 
on the job at unit. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, it's freaking steep, man. Like, yeah, it's very steep. Um, it'd be very hard to, it's, it's almost, it, it's hard to explain how, like, it is a very big learning curve. Like, I mean, every day I'm still learning stuff to do with, you know, getting size rights and like getting your size grading. And then you might not be able to foresee that like this, you know, this, this freaking rubber or some shit might come off in a week. And then you have this defect. You've got to pull like thousands of t-shirts off the market. Um, or yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that you learn every day. And I think that's the biggest thing. You've just got to learn. And um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a steep learning curve. Um, but it's an enjoyable learning curve. And what are some of the problems that you've had to face, like over the years? Like, what are some of the the, the downs before the, the before the highs? You know, have you ever had samples come back that are? Where do you start? You know, have you had samples come back that are too small, or you know, missing this button, or you know that that's too big, or? Yeah, well, just recently, like no, not 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 recently, but we one of our most iconic designs was that we made that VL, we made a VL hat. Um, like the we we took the Louis Vuitton. Uh, no, what is it? Los Angeles. Yeah, the LA logo. LA logo, and we flipped it upside down, and we, had, we made it a VL, right? Mm. Uh, so we actually got done for that. Like we got we got we got a cease and desist and like a court order and all this shit from from Louis from from um, from that brand, and we had to pull freaking untold stock from every single store we had to go through vigorously with our lawyers to every single one of our posts all of our social media every single person that posts that we had to remove i guess every single one of those from the internet um just things like that you know like that's a big learning curve for me and it's and it's like do you see it as a as a failure or, or, a, or a success because i mean that was one of the reasons we actually got the brand out there it's also one of, the reasons we lost one of our biggest stockers and one of the like we had to pull you know, so things like that, um, I guess, would be a big learning curve, and um, you know. But with every with every L, there's another door that opens. You know, and and how is that? How how did that affect your relationship with uh, with certain that said store that shall not be named, which I know what it is. I can, if you want to mention it, you can. Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I'm 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 sure it's 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 more so you know on 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 our side, and you know if we if we decide to kind of re-engage with a lot of stores that, you know, that we've, that we've kind of pulled it from. But our biggest model and I think the biggest success we have is that we do have a big online presence ourselves and we don't rely on stores for our, for our you know. We, we don't want to be a, a brand that does rely on, on our stores. Like our success comes from our own brand, from our own fans who shop through us, you know. And that's, that to me is, 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 is one of the most important things is, don't rely on stores. Don't rely on having too many stockers because if they go under, like through COVID, a lot of brands have now been fucked from this. You know, like if you see brands are fall dropping off like flies, and it's because they've got so many stores, so many, you know, so many things that are not in their own control. Um, and, and so, as a new age, you know, millennial hustler, um, how much of an influence has social media been on the growth and prosperity of your brand? Yeah, man, huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, social media is definitely a big one, man. Like I'd, I'd say one of the number one things, you know, um, that and word of mouth, um, you know, creating a good product that people want to be a part of is number one. Number two is the social media presence because that's where those people are going to be seen. And, and so how do you go about um, 
what what's your, what is your design process? So how do you, how do you see something? Something inspires you. You you go into uh, you InDesign or you use InDesign. Is that correct? What do you use? I do certain things. Yeah, InDesign, Illustrator, and Photoshop. Yeah, and so so you you have a, something inspires you, and then you how does that process work for you personally? Um, I'm a little bit unorthodox. Um, I do rely heavily on having someone like I always, uh, one of my best design processes is just having someone I can bounce something off. So when I have my PA or whatever, the biggest thing I can do is we'll just be looking through Google. Like I'll spend a day, let's, let's go to the shops. Let's go through Google and, um, just get inspiration. And, you know, like unit actually taught me that, you know, they used to build a big vision board behind the, their computer desks. And anytime they saw something cool, whether it was related or not, they'd stick it on the vision board. So it's like looking at a mind map of just this infinite creation, you know? So for me, just looking at creations gives you just weird ideas. Like, I mean, I'll pull like inspiration from a plant. Like it's just, that's a cool green. And we'll be like, oh, cool, that green's kind of cool. And we'll be like, oh, we should do that on one of our shirts. It looks like camo. Like just little things like every, like we'll just go out and have the intention that we're just going to just, Whatever we see, let's get a whole bunch of ideas, put it on our phone, and then see what we can create out of this, you know, this madness. And I think the ability to just not have a process as such, but more so have that freedom to just, you know, just look at a whole bunch of shit and just see what comes to your head. Um, that's my unorthodox way of creating. And I don't know if it will work for everyone, but for me, it's just, you know, just freestyling and just putting a whole bunch of shit together and yeah, see what comes up. So you guys have been through um, certain stages in the brand. You you went into bricks and mortar. Well, how long ago did you go into bricks and mortar? Which we never did brick. Brick and mortar is like shops, like like Culture Kings and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we we had our first store from the beginning, man. We our very first store was really really close to when we first started. Um, it was actually a store called I, I think it was Genesis Nutrition was one of our first stores. And I guess for that, we just had all the cool guys going there and buying subs. And he just said, this brand's cool and kind of stocked it. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty early. We got our stores, yeah. And, and have you found much kind of, um, you know, like not necessarily backlash or, um, you know, any kind of like blockages from like traditional streetwear brands and kind of hate from like if you say you want to do enter into Culture Kings, you know, obviously they stock, you know, like Fear of God and, you know, BAPE and, you know, uh, off-white traditional brands that probably have influenced what you guys do. Uh, mm. how, how, do you, how do, you, do you go about kind of cross, crossing those, those pre-established lines of what fashion is? Um, yeah, we've, we've, we've had a bit of, yeah, we've had a bit of hate. We've had a bit of copying. We've had actually quite a lot of brands that have copied our stuff. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had fake brands. We've had our stuff faked in Thailand, Bali, um, yeah, a few other, China, um, and then all those Alibaba-y kind of things have copied us. Um, but I just, like, my, I used to see it as, like, something that was really shit. I'm like, fuck, these guys are copying me, and I get raged about it. But now I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, well, imitation just, is the best form of appreciation. Yeah, or, you know? so that's pretty cool. Like, fuck, I, I'm actually, like, I almost like want people to copy the brand, just so like don't get any ideas, anyone. But like, I kind of would want to like. I don't actually mind if like we like we saw a brand the other day and it was selling one of our shirts for like over one hundred and fifty dollars for like a, like a really like a shirt we sell for fifty. 
in this like European site. And I was going to think about like emailing them and I thought that actually looks cool that those brands copying it. Like I think it's a compliment if people are copying your shit because you're always going to be one step ahead of that anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? That range will be gone. You ring the new one, they can copy that, but yours will be gone, which will be building the next range anyway. So to me, it's, you know, you can't stop it. And yeah. So, so what's the difference between designing an active, uh, an active wear line as opposed to designing a full streetwear line? Do you guys have to be on season? Um, and how, how, is that, how is that process? Do you, do you go about creating, you know, a whole, a whole line and a whole kind of um, in one go? Or do you, do you create products kind of sporadically? Well, for that new for our new brand that I can't really talk the the other brand that we're working on, I've got two other brands that we're in um, you know in in design for now, and uh, you know putting putting through all the prices and creating that on overseas and all that sort of stuff. That's a very different design process because it is a fashion brand. It is a fashion only label. It is very similar to like a hype kind of brand like Off White. So the design process is very different for that. But for Villain. Uh, Originally, we did have strict collections, you know, winter, summer, this and that. But now, even with Villain, we're moving towards more that, you know, uh, we're going to release a few things, sell them out, keep them exclusive and never bring them out again. Um, for me, that's cool to just have something that you can never get again. You know, like you buy this and you know that that is limited. Um, you might pay a little bit more for it, but you know that no one else is going to have it. Like, or not everyone's going to have it, you know. So for me, I, I, I kind of prefer that. Um, that aspect and I think that that's just a choice thing that we do that let me just turn my notifications off I think that's a choice thing to do that as opposed to um, if it's better or worse I think you know like mainstream brands like Cotton On and stuff it probably works better for them to have collections but for us I think it's cooler to just bring shit out when you want to bring it out and you know and as you guys move forward and kind of go up the ladder um, is bricks and mortar something that you you want to expand more into and get into back in or you know I don't know if you were in before but back you know into shops like Culture Kings and and uh, what what other active wear stores are there that sell is there any is there any stores that you'd like to be in? Um, we still do have a few stores like we still do have a quite a big presence in brick and mortar but. Um, I think for us, the next step is we're actually going to be building our own um, big headquarters, you know, locally where it is, where it is homegrown, something that's, it's not a store, but we want to bring our own, you know, headquarters where we have every single aspect of design from people can come and see how we build our brands through glass windows. They can, you know, when we release a launch, we have a catwalk there. So we have all the hottest models. We fly them in, we do launch parties, um, just a creative space that just entails everything from launch parties to brand creation to the whole design process where you can come and meet, you know, I guess some of our team and, you know, come and learn and design and, you know, just have an awesome space that's just brand and, you know, fashion related. So that's kind of my next project that we're working on, which is um, I won't go too deep in it, but it's, it's going to be dope. So uh, give us a little bit of the lowdown on how you recruit, uh, you know, models and influencers for your campaigns. What do you, how do you go about that? Um, we had a, like a lot of, a lot of the influence that we do find actually come to us. Um, so I've got, you know, some of our assistants or whatever, whatever team member, or it might be my, you know, my PR manager or the manager and head of, she manages obviously all our Instagram and stuff like that. Um, 
she'll basically go through the talent of who's applied to the brand and then we'll obviously shortlist that and say, okay, this chick's got a cool look. Does she fit in with a brand, you know, ethos? Has she got that vibe? Um, you know, for me, it's more important to have a chick with a cool vibe or a guy with a cool vibe than someone with heaps of followers that, you know, just thinks they're too cool. Like I'd rather have someone who actually people look up to for a reason, you know. Um, that seems to be converting higher for us if someone has that, you know, has that vibe and, you know, has that real following to me, even if it may be smaller. That X factor. Mm. Mm. Um, so as, as cultures kind of merge, you know, hip-hop, music and oh, – well, hip-hop is music. Uh, music and, you know, hype culture, streetwear, uh, sports, are, you know, starting to merge. How are you guys thinking about going international? Are you, are you aiming to get on to the, you know, into the hype-based kind of high-snobiety scene or – Will you continue in active wear? Like, where do you see the brand kind of going in the next five years? Mm, I've, yeah, for sure, man. Like, um, I'm definitely pushing to have other brands that are going to hit other markets. So, you know, with the new one that we've got in development now, that's definitely going to be pushing more towards that hype beastie vibe. Um, I'd rather have separate entities as opposed to merging them all into one. So I don't really want to ruin Villain by, you know, changing its you know, ideology, I'd rather keep Villain Villain, um, have our other brands, you know, we're, we're actually walk, working on a lounge, a lounge label at the moment. So that'll obviously be a very different brand in itself. Um, yeah, a lingerie, um, some swimwear, you know, different things like that. Um, cool. Yeah, just separate, man, for sure. Um, so what would your advice be to someone that wanted to do what you do and start their own brand and be a, a young entrepreneur? How, and and also, how do you how do you manage your time with traveling and stuff like that? Do you do everything from your laptop and your iPhone? Is that are you are a, a wandering uh, a traveling nomad? Yeah, I am now. Yeah, um, I wasn't to begin with, but I've I've created the brand around that. Um, so for me, yeah, that's another thing. Is is you know, do it on your terms. You know, like if people are going to buy something, it's because it's you you created it. Um, don't try to create something that other people want. Create something that you think is cool. And if you have passion in it, you'll create something that's cool. Like too many people are trying to create or copy other people. You know, I think the reason we did well is because we did something that was bold and we didn't give a fuck. And that was our attitude. We said like, fuck you. This is our brand. If you want to wear it, don't wear it. We don't give a fuck. That was our attitude. Like, and I think with any brand that I start, our attitude is we don't want, we don't need you to buy our shit. We're going to create something cool and then you're going to buy it because it's cool. We're not going to, you know, like cater to what people like want as such. We're going to create a vibe and that vibe will then, you know, bring our tribe and bring people that want to be a part of it, you know. Yeah, your vibe definitely attracts your tribe. So, um, you know, the activewear has become a pretty popular mainstay, especially in Australian culture, um, you know, Lorna Jane and all that kind of stuff. Has that kind of that appeal kind of crossed over to your brand, like with the, the sense of, you know, it is kind of tolerated now or it's, or it's accepted would be the better term to wear active wear on a day-to-day basis for a female. Has that yeah. kind of crossed over and you guys are a little bit more, obviously a lot, a lot more high fashion than, than Lorna Jane, but has that, has that kind of crossed over to your, to your share of the market? Do you find? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I definitely say that, but 
I mean, we 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 still. I mean, even pushing our new brand, like the new the new range is very very much more street, and it doesn't really matter if you go to the gym or you go anywhere. It's not going to have any difference. Do you know what I mean? We're not going to. We don't want to be just an activewear brand. You know, we want to be a brand for active people as opposed or people who live our lifestyle, which is, I guess, all three aspects would be success. You know, someone who wants to get ahead, someone who was an anti-hero, uh, someone who, you know, at the same time keeps fit because that's all part of it. You know, it's all part of the game, the mind, the body, you know, and the soul. It's all the same thing, you know. Um, so the brand active is just, just, it just comes and fits in with that, you know. Um, it's a success. I guess the brand could be something like a success orientated brand, you know, someone who would like to wear something that empowers them. So that's the main focus, I guess, not so much only active wear, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So tell me, um, we live a little bit isolated on this big rock country of Australia out in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific. Um, how, how do you think that that has, do you think that's hindered your growth? Or has it been an asset, you know, living in an isolated place where there's not as much hype around, you know, mm. this kind of culture? Interesting. Eh? It's, it, it, it'd be nice to know if, if, if we, what would be the difference if, if we started it overseas? You know, what would be the difference if we started in America? Um, I think it is limiting. I think it is difficult to start a brand here as opposed to if you're in America. I know that if we started in America, it would have made things a lot easier and a lot because um, I mean a lot of the people that we do deal with are from America so if I obviously had a foothold there and I was there from the beginning that would have been a lot easier and it yeah it's, it's a much bigger place much stronger place but um, on the on the flip side it is easier to reach people in Australia so um, I think a, a good game plan would be to start somewhere small and then I guess when you have that foothold here move move to somewhere bigger or yeah, big, bigger. big, big fish, small pond, move, and then medium fish in a mat, in an ocean. Mm. Um, so what would your advice be to a young kid who's coming up through the school system, doesn't like, doesn't like what his teacher says, doesn't like traditional education? How, how would you, if you could say something to, you know, 13-year-old Jason, what, what, would you, what would your advice be for him or for her or for anyone in that position when you were 13 that didn't get along in the traditional sense of what normal people are expected to do, what would your advice be to be able to kind of live the life that you do? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's freaking hard, man, because there's not many people that really want you to do things that are unorthodox at that age. You know, 90% of people are doing normal things, so they're just going to tell you normal shit. You know what I mean? Like your teachers and that are going to tell you normal shit because they're doing normal stuff themselves. It's not in their best interest or through their understanding to do things that are unorthodox. So I guess probably if I could do anything, I would just seek people that are doing the things that you want to do and follow them because you don't know what to do at your age and you're only young and you're only 13 and you're probably just going to find your way and it's going to take you a while. So instead of that, I'd just say, you know, just go and find people that are doing the things that you want to do and just follow them and find any way you can to be in their space um, because that's the quickest way that you're going to get to the top. On the well, social media also makes it a lot easier for kids now. They've got a lot more exposure to stuff. Um, there's a lot more influencers. If you want to search, you know, Virgil Abloh on um, 
or, you know, Jeff Staple or, um, you know, um, what's Ronnie Fig or yeah, yeah. whoever, you just, you can follow them on Instagram. So that, so those influences probably yeah, cross sure. over a lot more than when yeah, we sure. were, when we were 13, you know, um, yeah. who, who were some of your influences that were, you know, now and then, like, who did you grow up aspiring to be like? Was there any designers yeah, any or brands? Right. It was just, it was more so like for, for, for me, I just, I always looked at, um, who do I look up to? I, Paul was definitely one of them. You know, Unit was definitely a pretty cool cat. Um, you know, just because that was probably one of the coolest brands at the time. I used to wear Unit when I was in school. <laughs> we were probably both wearing Unit back at school, yeah? That would have I, been a brand that... I, I, never like. I never really rocked Unit. It wasn't really my demographic. I was not really an FMX cube. Um, and and at, that, at that time, I, I, had, I was sponsored by Dragon and I was sponsored by a bunch of ski companies. And yeah. yeah, and the only brand that I ever really rocked that was wasn't a, a brand that I was sponsored by was probably Volcom. Volcom, or maybe like um, I started getting into. I really liked LRG. LRG yeah. was like a huge fucking influence on me. And when I was really young, I really liked um, Kareem Campbell's brand Alpha Numeric and um, Extra Large because I used to. I spent a lot of time in America. Um, and then, mm. you know, I started spending a lot of time in Japan. So, you know, you get exposed to a lot of different uh, different brands. SMP back in the day. Um, yeah, SMP was dope. Yeah, I remember that one. And because uh, cool. I, I, I grew up I grew up more in the kind of, I'm from Narrabeen in Sydney, which is more of like a surf, it's a very famous surf place, you know, probably one of the most localised surf breaks in Australia. So, you know, Quicksilver, Billabong, yada, yada, yada. But I never really identified with any of those brands. The brands that I really, probably I really liked was SMP. I had a, my parents had a, few Mexican restaurants and one of the one of the girls that worked for my dad she was the uh, New South Wales manager of SMP so I remember her dropping when I was about probably like 12 or 13 um, she dropped off a big box of free clothes and I, I was sample size at that time because I was you know I was only a little kid um, now hmm. I'm like I'm six foot almost six I'm six two so you know normal shirts you know medium or size eight shoes don't fit me anymore um, so the only you know that SMP was for a while, and then probably Volcom. Volcom was a real big influence on me growing up. I think they're probably the only surf brand that's kind of stood the test of time. But you know, definitely had a, a huge place in the market. You know, um, we used to sponsor Robbie Madison, who was like that. You know, was like his original sponsor. Um, you know, Matt Shubring was also. I was Matt on Unit. I think Matt was on Unit. But yeah, we did a lot. We did a lot of stuff with with um, with Paul and. And so that, that would have been a pretty big privilege to be able to work for those guys. That's pretty amazing that you got such a good influence at a young age. Just shows you what's possible. Yeah. And it's inspirational, man. Like, especially when you see people like when you are that young, you kind of see what's possible working with guys like that, you know, um, things that you don't know is possible. And that, and that was, a, they were living a cool lifestyle. And, you know, even those shoots were so much fun. Um, that's, yeah, one of my biggest inspirations, man. It's pretty sad what happened to them, you know. It just shows you that, you know, you can be on the verge of glory and, um, you know, one little slip up in a business that, you know, cash flow goes away or you try to go to America, as you said, that you might want to do in the future in a big way. You know, you end up spending, you know, 92 Dream Team. I hope you've been watching The Last Dance on Netflix of late. Yeah, yeah. Best basketball team of all time. Um, so, so tell me, what have you been doing during lockdown to to keep yourself occupied other than hanging out at my restaurant? <laughs> um, 
Am I allowed to talk on camera or? <laughs> you can talk on camera. We've we just been taking it easy, man. Like it's been some good downtime. I've had a lot. I've spent a lot of time with the family, man. It's been, you know, it's been an amazing time to just reflect on things. And, you know, I've, I've, I think me and my family have gotten so much closer since this time. Hey, it's been great. Um, just because you're forced to have time with your family and time to do things that are just so much more down low, you, you, I guess you, you kind of appreciate just, you know, hanging out with your mates and, you know, going to someone's house as opposed to hitting a bar or, you know, I, I think it's been very humbling for a lot of people. And how has it affected your brand and your hustle? Um, we actually haven't been affected by it. And I think that's because people are at home, you know. Um, online sales are doing well. So, you know, people are at home looking at their computer 24 hours a day. Facebook ads are cheaper. Um, and, yeah, just internet is just doing really well at the moment. So that's another reason why I am happy that we don't have too much brick and mortar. And so, you know, can you so can you, can you give us a little bit of a lowdown on like so you're designing this new line for 2021 or 20 or uh, you know, maybe winter of maybe summer of 20 well, I guess summer of 2021 probably at the moment. Um, how do you go about? Um, can you explain to us how you go about the, from the design process to the samples that would come back from where where you manufacture, whether it's Bangladesh, China, Australia? wherever and then how many how long is that process normally does it take for to get a shirt design or you know a crop top for a girl or a special type of tracksuit pants that you guys are doing now you're doing some pretty funky shit by the way i, I kind of i do like some of your shit it's really pretty cool and i see a lot of people rocking it and they feel like they're part of something when they rock it it's very alternative it's you know it's very it's it definitely stands out in the gym culture where everything's pretty basic colors basic designs um you, you fuck with a lot of different kinds of cuts and stuff like that and i'm sure that that in that manufacturing process there's a process there is you know there's, a, there's a, probably a lot of um hit and miss with how you get the cuts properly and especially for like females and stuff like that so can you give us a little bit of the lowdown of how you go about doing that yeah um it does take time hey um it's definitely not a quick thing, you know. Um, it would be a lot easier to do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult, man. Um, so basically from, 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 the, from the design process, it goes to our team overseas um, and then basically they, they get all our designs, our process. We go through fabrics. Um, they will send us, you know, a fabric swatch. We might get, you know, we might have... You know, a pile about this big of just different fabrics. We say, okay, we want the arm to be this. We want the, the chest to be this, um, you know, all the measurements or whatever it might be. That'll go to China. We'll receive within like 20 days, 10, 20 days, we receive our samples. Um, from the samples and we do our measurements again, there might be something wrong, which there always is something fucking wrong. Um, and then that goes back to China and then we get our next sample. And hopefully that by the second time we've done it right, if by the third time it's, you know, you've always got to allow for at least like 60 days of, you know, two, three months of just fucking around with the designs. And then basically that goes to manufacturing. From the manufacturing process, it might be, um, you know, another over a month, you know, two months to get it over here. So you need about... You know, it can be up to six months to get the design, to, to get a proper, proper range designed, 
you know, it's less under, like it won't ever be probably six months, but it's, it's almost up to that level of, of time that you need to allow for worst case. And then so you guys, you guys have a warehouse that you ship out of here on the Gold Coast, is that correct? And then, yeah, we got a warehouse between here and between here and Brisbane, where we, um, yeah, we got our own warehouse that I guess sends all our stuff out. Um, we got a team there that, yeah, it does really well for us. So, where do you see the world going after this COVID lockdown? Do you think we're going to go back to normal, or do you think that the world's going to change and we're going to be little hermits inside our houses for the next ten years? Yeah, I think it'll go back, man. I think everything will be back to normal. I'm fairly back to normal. I think. We will have learned a lot of things and I think online shopping will probably stay a lot stronger than it was before now that people are relying on it more. So for online, I think it's a very positive thing. Um, I think we'll bounce back, man. So um, so um, just to finish it up, we have a segment that we do called Random Rants where I just ask you three random questions. Um, so I wanted to ask you if you could have dinner with three people that are dead or alive, who would they be and why? <laughs> um, fuck, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Virgil. Uh, Virgil Abloh. Blue Vuitton, mange man. Yeah. Off-white. Vir- owner, Virgil. designer. Yeah, Virgil Abloh. Um. I don't know. Since watching that Machine Gun Kelly video, I think I like Megan Fox. I probably enjoy Megan Fox. Let's go Megan Fox. Um, Who's rounding out your top three? Yeah, top three: Megan Fox, Virgil Abloh. See, I'd prefer to have I'd prefer to have dessert with Megan Fox, to be honest, by herself. Yeah, I think dessert would be better, right? What about uh, chocolate? Stings stimulates the same endorphins as as sex, so. I'll take that back. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, Alfred the Great, Virgil Abloh, and uh, what's another king of a great land? I think it'd be interesting to sit with any king, any queen or king would be interested. Anyone who's just done something at that level, I think, would be super interesting. Probably Elon Musk. Let's go, Elon Musk. Okay. You know? Cool. Three people that really inspire me would be Elon Musk. Alexander the Great and um, um, yeah, either either either, Vir, uh, either Virgil or Fear of God. Jerry, um, what's yeah, his Jerry last Lorenzo. name? Jerry Lorenzo. Jerry Lorenzo. Yes. What do you um, What do you think of Fear of God? Do you, as a, you know, they're eight hundred dollars t shirts. You think it's yeah. uh, the price point's a little bit too high? Don't you think God would be pissed off on charging eight hundred dollars for a for a t shirt? If they can do it, then do it. It's just people, people want to pay that. Otherwise, they wouldn't charge it. You know, some people enjoy paying a lot for shit, you know. Um, and I never got that concept, you know. I always used to use Windows computers until I decided to get a MacBook. And I always thought Macs are fucking rip off and you can get like the same specs for half the price. But, you know, you're paying for something that is just better quality. And, you know, I know it's going to piss people off. But like some things you just, it's kind of like, People enjoy it sometimes. Um, it depends on the brand, and that brand is for that. Like, I, I couldn't charge eight hundred bucks with villains so much because that's not what we're trying to do. I mean, we can still be premium, but they're creating like a collector's item kind of item, you know. So, I think if we could create a, create a collector's item kind of thing, you do kind of that kind of adds to the you know the the prestige of the thing, and people want to rep that. So you see it as wearing an art piece as opposed to wearing yeah. clothing. Okay. Very much an art piece. That's exactly what it is. 
Okay, so second question. If you could tell one thing to 13-year-old mischievous Jason, what would it be? Mm. Don't let anyone tell you to stop being a little dickhead because you did well. <laughs> you should have been more. You should have just done everything you wanted to do because it didn't matter anyway, you know. I worried so much about all the naughty shit I did or failing school and that, but yeah, you know what? It's, it's, it, none of it's really mattered. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Okay, last question. If you could change one thing about the fashion and the fashion industry, what would it be and why? Um, I guess moving away from offshore, I, I, I wish that it was easier and more accessible to do things onshore. But if, I guess if, if fashion brands could move to their own home country, like if we could do stuff over here, I would, and we are pushing for it to do some stuff. And we do a lot of our design process is done and most of our process is done in Australia. But if we could manufacture and get the same fabrics and do all the same thing in Australia, I think that would be so dope. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard. And I think, yeah, if, if, if the government could maybe support local brands more and support local, I guess, manufacturing more, then I think it would be awesome. So uh, can you, where can we find you on, on socials, you personally and you, the brands you're working on? So I'm at mr.vi, so M-R.V-I-L-L-I-N, Mr. Villain. And my brand is at V-I-L-L-I-N, at Villain. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for your time today, Jason. Um, we look forward to seeing what you get up to in the future. And, um, you know, like and subscribe and uh, share this with your friends and your family. And uh, keep on rocking in the free world. Peace. <laughs>